You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to Face Off. I'm your host as usual, Guy Drinkle. A uh, bit of a different format in this time. We've kind of gone for the, the double game week um, sort of thing. Um, obviously two big games in a week, might as well cram uh, one pod for both of them. But I'll introduce my guests and then we'll get into both games. Uh, what am I, well, pretty much you've been on every podcast I've hosted for AI. It is Sam Evans. How are you doing, Sam? I'm really good, thanks, Guy. Uh, Reds are top of the league by five massive points after five games. And I'm pretty sure we haven't played any other games whatsoever apart from Premier League games. So, uh, yeah, we'll just talk about that, shall we? Yeah, we'll get that done in like 15. <laughs> Nothing else happened this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and joining us two is, uh, it's not a Newcastle fan, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, as I said, we'll be covering the other game that will not be named till then. Uh, it's Chris Singh, who you may have heard in the Let's Talk About Six series that was done in the summer. We did try to get a few, uh, a couple more podcast appearances in, but this is the first time schedules have actually worked out together. How are you doing, Chris? I'm, do- I'm doing all right, guy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Been a been a long day, and I've I've made these guys wait for me. Uh, thank you, Dave Hendrick, for that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, recorded, scouted just before this. Um, but yeah, we'll get into the game. So, Chris, I'll start with you. Like, obviously, Newcastle was like a a good like month ago by this week. Um, right. So we won't be going like through the start and eleven and all that jazz. But the main takeaway from the Newcastle game. It's got to be Bobby Firmino, wasn't it? I mean, how, how good was he? Oh, my goodness. Bobby makes this team work. I'm sorry. Like, I get Origi what he does. Like, he'll come in and do a job for you for 60 minutes, uh, 30 minutes, whatever you ask him to do. But it's the front three and the team is not the same when Bobby is not in. Like, you can see we struggle a little bit with the forward passing um, tend to pass a bit side to side, but when Bobby came on for Origi, that the, the game just like immediately changed. Like we're starting to get in behind, threading passes behind the Newcastle line, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I noticed like when Bobby came on, like Newcastle dropped a little deeper, 
I don't know if it's because mm. of him because he's dropping deeper, collecting the ball. But yeah, I kind of picked up on that a little bit. And how about his assist to Salah, man? My goodness, that that's just filthy. <laughs> that should have like came with a parental warning. <laughs> that's why it should have came with it. It was, it was a, it was just simply a dirty, dirty goal. That one. Um, Sam, I mean, just feel free to just talk about Bobby because might as well. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's so bloody good isn't he he started the season on fire you know obviously we're not going to talk about uh, the other game just yet uh, but in the Premier League purely he's really stepped it up a notch this season so far you know if you remember start of last season we had a really good uh, start in the league and you know I think we won the first five last season as well didn't we Um but we didn't quite feel like the, the front three were all firing on all cylinders uh, at the very beginning of the season. But, you know, this this season so far, they've all looked so, so sharp. And I think, you know, Chris has pointed out really well there that he is such a key part of how we play. You know, we, we've known this for a couple of years now, but I can't remember a game where it has been so, so clear and, and the, the difference between Origi and him being on the pitch was absolutely enormous. And it was no coincidence that within a couple of minutes, you know, we, we'd scored a goal. Um, it was him and uh, him and Matt Dip closing down in a little pincer movement and we were away to go and we got the goal. Absolutely no coincidence whatsoever. And he, he's just a joy to watch at the moment, isn't he? he he's the kind of player that just plays with a smile on his face and he, he's not scared to try these, you know, fancy things. And he's not just doing it. He's not like a FIFA player just flicking the stick, hoping something happens. He's doing it with end product. And it's it's so, so great to see. Yeah, he's not a player that most fans won't appreciate right off the bat because, like, you think, Bobby, number nine, he's going to, the number nine is supposed to score goals. Like, you know, fans looking in, they're not really going to like Bobby. I know some of our fans complain that he doesn't score enough. But if you actually just watch him and pay attention, he is so crucial for our team that this might be a little bit of a stretch, but I don't think we'd be challenging for the league without Bobby because he makes that front three click. He's the one that plays the passes into Mane and Salah. He drags defenders. He like he makes all that stuff happen. And the thing is as well, he's a key part of our defensive solidity. Because his press going forward just just pins the other team back in into their own quarter, and they end up having to send it long, or they get dispossessed in their own quarter, and it gives us great chances on the counter. So it's it's just so so vital to the way we play. And I know it's been a kind of a a bugbear a lot of people that we didn't sign another forward in the summer. I was one of them, but I, I've got to say I think Klopp's kind of mentality on it is he wants these front three to be able to play pretty much every minute of every important game. And he feels like if he gives them that much kind of love and attention and give them everything that they want, then they will really perform at a top level. And I don't think Klopp likes to rotate these guys. You know, if we had another world-class star in there, I feel like maybe Klopp feels that he'd lose something elsewhere, maybe in the kind of, um, 
just just in the morale side of things. So I, I don't know. It, it's really hard to imagine us being able to play any better, even if we had signed someone else. You've just got to hope that we get lucky with injuries. That's the only problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris, what, what do you make of that point? Because that, that was one I was going to bring up in terms of, I, I, I don't like to harp on about the, the transfer window and stuff like that, but that's probably the other talking point coming out of Newcastle is that we may be over-reliant on the front three. Yeah, I'll have to agree with that. I I was in the camp of being a bit upset when we didn't sign another uh, top forward. Not necessarily to, you know, like pressure the front three and to, to having them thinking like, hey, your jobs aren't safe, but more or less to rotate in and out. So at least one of them has at least, I don't know, 60 minutes off per game or give them the full 90. Um, we're really, I think we're really pushing our luck as to the fitness of these guys because you had Mane that went to the AFCON final. Um, you had Bobby Firmino that played throughout the Copa America and won it. So these guys like played a lot of football and you're taking a huge risk. But um, anytime someone mentions that, oh, you can't keep all the players happy, I think you can if you're winning. I mean, look at Shakiri. Like, he, okay, he's not at the same caliber as I would say Mane Salah or Firmino. But he's doing what he has to do to try and get into the team, even though he gets like five minutes at the end of the game. But you still need that option to rest our guys. You still need the option to rotate. I get it. Like nobody's, no one's going to come in and be another Salah. No one's going to come in and be a, another Mane. But you need that option that, dare I say, it, that Tottenham has. Like, so they could literally start with Kane and, um, What's that Brazilian lad, Lucas? Yeah. Lucas Mora? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when Kane needs a rest or Mora needs a rest, they bring in uh, Son. And every now and then they play Lamella. So there's like four players that they could use interchangeably depending on the game situation and depending on the opposition. And I would like for us to have that option. Um, I get really, really scared when I see... Um, one of our front three players take a heavy challenge and go down and don't get up for a while. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, Oh God, please, please no, please no, please no. Because what are we going to do? Like force Ox to play on the wing? Clearly that didn't work. So, um, I trust Klopp. Like I get, you know, he likes a small team. He likes that togetherness. He doesn't want anyone sulking. But at the end of the day, like if one of our players goes down, like if Bobby goes down, like who do you bring in to, you know, make up for that, that production and that press and that leading the defense from the front and all that stuff. So I'm not sure. Yeah, it is a concern. I mean, Sam, what, what's your thoughts on it? Because you, you said just before I got on to Chris there that you're a bit more understanding of it now that the season's kind of started and stuff like that. But it is, let, let's continue using Bobby as the example. Would you be not happy because obviously Bobby would be injured, but would you be all right with one of Mane and Salah playing as the central one and then using an Origi? I mean, Chikiri seemingly done something to Klopp to annoy him, but Chikiri or <laughs> Brewster. Uh, what what would you what would you make of that situation? Well, what I've learned last season is that 
I know very little about football um, because <laughs> we because we, we, we you know we went into the season we thought oh we're, we're short in midfield Milner's crap Henderson's crap um, you know we got Lovren in the squad um, and we got injury prone Matt Dip he's not very good we had loads of people saying things like that we've only got the front three no no backup you know and then we get ninety seven points in the league. So uh, we're wrong somewhere, aren't we? That was not a fluke. You know, they're proving it at the start of this season already. There's there's something great going on at this club. And, you know, even though each individual, like Milner has his flaws, Henderson has his flaws, these players do have their flaws, but they, they do the job that, that makes this team function. You know, if you remember, I don't like to talk about Man United, but you remember the, the the amount of times Man United won the league with players like John O'Shea in the squad. You know, these just functional characters. And I I just think sometimes you know we we need to be in the real world and realize you know we're not on Football Manager or or FIFA or something. And this squad is a realistic squad that we can afford to actually pay the wages for. And you know, Chris touched on it there as well. Klopp is is seems to value closeness in a squad um, and the synergy that you can get from the same players playing together often. And it seems to be something that you know, if you did have a bigger squad, you'd be able to rotate so the players would be fresher to play and they'd have more legs. I get that. You know, that's scientifically proven. But I think. Klopp kind of puts a lot of value in some of the things that are more subjective and, and things you can't actually quantify, such as team spirit and, you know, form and, you know, things like that, playing together. And I think that's something that Klopp is very good at kind of generating in a squad. And it's something that he's managed to do with this Liverpool side. So, to, you know, to answer your question, it does terrify me, the thought of Bobby getting injured it's it's him and Van Dyke probably up there with the ones that worry me the most. But the the experience we've had over the last couple of years with Klopp has has led me to believe that whatever they throw at us, we will manage and we will find a way to do it. You know, if if it was Bobby, I agree with you, it'd either be Mane or maybe Salah up the middle and then if Origi's fit then we'll have him on one side. You know, it wouldn't function quite as well. But with the rest of the team, you know, we, we'll make it work. And the way we played last season to generate that many points, you know, we lost one game in the league all season. You cannot do that with a squad that isn't good enough. So, you know, I've got nothing but faith we're going to be able to do it again. And we'll just work it out as and when we get a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I think that. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And obviously, I, I need some wood to touch for this next statement. Um, there is hopefully well history's on our side with this one none of them have really picked up any injuries I did touch the wood so don't worry about that Um, so yeah if that continues I think we'll be mostly fine Um, but it's just what if isn't it Um, so let's kind of wrap up on the Newcastle game I mean let's just talk about the goals I'm trying to I'm struggling to remember them but um, uh, Chris, I mean, there were three. There were three lovely goals. I can't remember what order they were in, but they were lovely. Oh yeah, that first goal by Sadio. Like, how good is he? My goodness, like, I, like he just when he gets the ball at his feet in the box, like he, 
and he shoots it's like oh this is gonna go wide oh no wait it's a curled rocket and we're on the board we equalize and it's 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 just amazing and how about their keeper just completely spilling that one i can't i can't even remember dubrovka yeah Mm. coming for the second one and then just (laughs) just completely spilling it and mon um putting that away and then um the lovely bobby firmino with his assist to sala I got kind of scared when Salah like hit it. I thought he was gonna drag it a bit wide, but um, we put that away too and just took all three points and won three one. So it was just, I think it was just testament to how fit the team is and how we just stick to our tactics and our strategy and our game plan. Because four years ago we probably would have lost or drawn that game because we would have went down panicked and then we just kept doing kept grinding them out i think at one point lascelles was just on the ground because he couldn't continue anymore at like the 75th minute so i mean it's it's just what we do and it's beautiful to watch it, it really is i mean the um the bobby assist on it, it yeah as we said earlier it, it's just it's pure pornography really and and and, and mana is it's turning into i think i used the term on right don't hit a, a clutch play i mean some, I think when when people when we signed Sadio, there was kind of oh, it's another Southampton bloke, and I think that was kind of fair because at Southampton he was patchy. Even his first um, year or two at Liverpool, like he he was obviously vitally important and brilliant and stuff like that, but he wasn't hitting these levels. And now these this last year, well, since about December January time to till now, I think he's just gone up. A level that I don't think many people expected from him. Yeah, I I feel like we're kind of seeing a different side to Manny in the last year or so. We're, we're seeing a kind of more confident player, a, a guy that seems to be a little bit more aggressive than he used to be. He's I've heard him in interviews. He seems like such a nice, timid guy, and I think that was kind of coming across on the pitch previously. But recently, his his kind of competition with Salah, he seems to be coming across now like I'm the man and he seems to know it. And his kind of extra confidence that he seems to have generated over the last season or two is actually rubbing off on his performances. And he's just becoming, you know, quite possibly now he'll be our top scorer this season. You know, it's looking a very good bet. Obviously, it's, it's very likely to be him or Salah again. But for me, Mane, you know, and he doesn't take penalties. Just to you know, remember that bit as well. The amount of goals that he's been scoring without taking any penalties, open play goals. He was the top scorer in the Premier League last season. So he, he's just, as you said, we signed him from Southampton. I'll be perfectly honest. I'd only seen him in fits and starts. I was surprised when he, he was on the bench against Liverpool and he came off the bench and just turned the game on his head, didn't he? Did he score a hat-trick off the bench, or was it just two? Uh, I think um, the bigger impact was Martin Skirtle coming on in that game. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I think Mane did have a hat-trick. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. He did. Yeah, yeah, Mane, hat-trick, three assists for Skirtle. Yes, I think that's how right. they officially put it down. I think that's when the... Lovren went off at half-time, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, it, it's really nice to actually think back on games like that at the moment, because it 
it does really show us how far we've come in a very short space of time. Uh, you know, those kind of nightmares are very few and far between now, and just it, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, just on on the Newcastle game, I just wanted to touch on as well. Uh, did you notice for the Salah goal, which was as Guy put it, absolute pawn uh, when it came to uh, <laughs> Firmino's assist? Did you notice when Salah had just beaten the last defender who just fell on his face because the pass was so <laughs> perfect? In the background, you could see Van Dyke already celebrating as soon as Salah got the ball. He'd had his hands in the air just celebrating the goal. He hadn't even kicked it yet. Uh, so, and and there's a kind of a there was a montage on uh, Twitter of this of Van Dyke having previous of this and he does it quite often so um, maybe he does it every time we get a shot I'm not sure but uh, it might just I, be Salah he might have the, <laughs> he might have the same confidence of like Ginny's for a goal or something like that yeah, yeah I think he just saw Salah in the box left peg uh, there was only going to be one one result there really wasn't it yeah. in fairness Ginny can finish man like you've seen his games for Holland like, yeah Nah, that's different though. That's Holland. <laughs> yeah. It's not the same. He's, he's yeah. kind of got a different responsibility for us, hasn't he, Genie, to be fair yeah. to the guy? You know, yeah. he, he clearly can finish. And when he has been put in those areas, he's shown for us a few times in the past that he really has got a great shot on him. But it's it's something that we, we don't ask him to do very often. Because we've got the front three, I think our midfield have got a lot of responsibility the other way. And maybe that does kind of stifle uh, the create creativity for Genie just a little bit. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's fair. It's just some games when not everything's clicking. You're like, I've seen you do this for another team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, we, we we'll move off the Newcastle game, unfortunately, because uh, we do have to talk about uh, the Tuesday night game, um, Chris. What game are you talking about? <laughs> uh, this is, this is some game in Italy on Tuesday. <laughs> um, we do have to talk about the Napoli game. Um, we'll have to start with the starting eleven on this one because there was a couple more surprises. Um, I suppose in this one, uh, obviously going into the game, we had Robertson who missed training once or twice. We had Milner starting over Ginny, which always raises an eyebrow. Um, what what did you make of the starting eleven then, Chris? Um, I was fine with it, um, but I don't think I would have played Milner mm-hmm. along with Henderson. Okay, all right. I'm not. I don't want to sound pessimistic, but anytime you play Milner, Henderson, Wijnaldum, or Milner, Henderson, and uh, Fabinho. So Milner and Henderson, they kind of do the same thing. They like keep ball. They pass it around side to side. They're neat and tidy. They'll put a shift in for you. When we play that midfield, there isn't like really a link to the front three. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's what I kind of noticed. And the thing with Milner, like you can tell his legs are gone. Like he can't, he doesn't have the recovery pace to cover the fullback anymore. And it's just like really sad, sad to watch for him to be put in that position. Like to me, Milner is the type of player I would bring on maybe 20 minutes to go mm-hmm. and do 90 minutes of work within that 20 minute span. Um, but I'm not saying it's his fault that we conceded two goals or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but I don't. I probably would have started Genie or uh, Ox on the on the left side, and I probably would have brought in Gomez just to give Robertson a rest because he didn't train, and then you throw him in and he plays. 95 plus and then we have the game against Chelsea on Sunday would what I'm kind of worried about like I'm really really worried that you know we'll run him into the ground and I think this first game it's the first game in the group stages I think we could afford it to give him a rest yeah it's not a free hit but it's the closest thing you can get to a free hit at this stage in the season yeah yeah I'd probably I'd completely agree with that really um I think Robertson, we literally have no backup for him at all. Like, <laughs> like Gomez, I know Gomez can play left back as well, but Gomez can fill in for Trent somewhat at right back. Uh, midfield, we have loads of options. Up front, we just talked about the lack of depth, but we've still got Origi, uh, Origi uh, Shakiri, and um, Brewster, etc. Left back, it's literally Larucci. That's about it. <laughs> and he, right. Yeah. He, he, he didn't even get to co- he didn't even get to come with us on the, uh, for the game, which is uh, not great viewing. Um, I but, was hoping we'd bring in Shakiri for this mm, for this game and go with a two man midfield with a double pivot with Fabinho and Henderson and play Shakiri out on the wing or the ten. You know, just to give mm-hmm. him a you know a good a, a good solid ninety minutes. Because I think we could have exploited Napoli in that way, but yeah, we didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, 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 we might see it. MK Dons. <laughs> uh, I don't. It's just it's a weird one with Shakira. I think most people bring it up every podcast. It's just it's quite interesting. You just want to know what actually happened. Um, yeah, Klopp's nerds. <laughs> one day. The Klopp's autobiography, <laughs> what Shakiri did. Um, but Sam, your, your thoughts on the starting 11 then? Uh, did you share what Chris thought about um, Milner and one of Ginny or Rocks? Yes, I'll be honest. I, I wasn't that surprised he played Milner. Not not because I think he should have. It's it's just because we, we needed a bit of rotation and... Am I right in saying that's Milner's first start this season? I'm not 100%. Uh, I um, think so. I think it might I be, yeah. I can't remember him starting, but um, yeah, so I, I think it's just it's just rotation and, and that's it. But it's it's bloody annoying because last season we were terrible away from home in the group stage and I was really hoping we could you know start off this group stage with a bang, get that win away from home, out of the way, blow away the cobwebs and kind of banish the demons of these terrible away performances. But uh, to be perfectly fair, even with Milner in the team, I thought we we really did perform pretty well actually in this game. I think it was a, it was a 50-50 match against a very, very good Napoli side. And, you know, on another day, we could have left there scoring three or four goals. It was just the very last moment when when they got to the front three, little miscontrols. You know, we were talking about Bobby earlier being absolutely on fire this season. His touch was strangely off in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mane had a very similar chance to the one that he put away against Newcastle on, you know, on his right peg. <clears throat> And he, he hit this straight at the goalie in this game. You know, it 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 was just the front three weren't quite there on the day. 
all three of them. Like not not one of the three had a great game. But I think you know Fabinho first half. By the way, oh, that is that oh is one of goodness. the best. Yes, that's one of the best central midfield performances I've seen in a long time. He was just absolutely dominant in there. The amount of times he seemed to recover the ball, but when he recovers the ball, he doesn't just do oh I'll just pass it simple. You know, four yards to the right. He was knocking it over the top, and Salah was away. You know, it was. Distribution, everything was immaculate, and he's such a great player for us. And I think him being in there was pivotal for us to be performing so much better than we did last season. Because you know that that's how I'm rating this game and comparing it to the game last season. And if you remember, we got our asses handed to us by Napoli last season. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, it was one yeah. nil, it was one nil, right? And it was the 90th minute winner, but. We we got absolutely hammered that game last season. You know, if if they'd have beaten us three four nil, we couldn't have complained because we got completely outplayed. If I remember rightly, we didn't have a single shot on target the whole game. So I don't think you know, they did, I, <laughs> no, we didn't. I, yeah, I don't think and, so. You know, so I know we've lost this game two nil, right? And we could you could argue that's worse. It's a worse result, obviously, but performance wise, you know. We, we we were miles better and I think we were quite unlucky not to leave there. You know, we could have easily ended up leaving that game with all three points. Um, obviously, the turning point in the game, I don't know if you want to bring that into it, uh, Guy, at this point, but, you know, we all know the reason why the game changed on his head. Um, well, yeah, let's let's talk about VAR then. <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, it's a bit crap, isn't it? It's just like, I was quite looking forward to VAR coming in, and they fucked it up somehow. It's um, it's quite impressive how, like, I don't watch a lot of American sports. I watch a bit of rugby union, and I've suffered cricket over the summer. Um, I know it takes time to implement their version of VAR or whatever, uh, Hawkeye or whatever. I, I just don't get how a referee can fuck up looking at replays. That's pretty much what it is. Like, we saw, obviously, going back to the Newcastle game, we saw Matip in a headlock, and this game, like, it's not the clearest dive ever, is it? Like, on first viewing? But you get, I know that, I, I think I saw you can't, you can't, they can't see it in slow-mo or whatever, <coughs> but even without slow-mo, it's such a clear dive, like, he's, he's like, fucking Swan Lake in, like, before Robbo's even swung a leg out, it's fucking. It's just, I, I just don't I just don't get the point of it, Sam. Yeah, but it's 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 pissed me off to be honest. With I'm not going to pull my punches, <laughs> right? I'm I'm a massive rugby union fan as well, right? And they've been implement implementing video technology in rugby for donkey's years now. It's been ages, and. You know, it works really well. The referee is in constant contact with the guys watching the video. Sometimes, if anything happens during the game, they'll just have a little whisper in the ref's ear, tell him, and they'll he'll call it back or whatever. It, it, it works really well. You know, obviously, sometimes you can get some delays. But, you know, as you said, right, they finally brought VAR in, and we thought, right, we're now going to get a cop-end penalty, Right, we, we'll finally get a cop end penalty this season. We'll finally have more penalties at Anfield than Spurs have had at Anfield in the last two years. You know, we, it, 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 
it's it's bonkers. And then that Matip thing happened, and you see the replay, and it was basically assault. And it's because they, right the the problem I have with VAR right they don't want the the guy do check in the VAR replay to use any sort of subjectivity, and they brought in this bullshit phrase of they can only change it if it's a clear and obvious error. Well, the interpretation of clear and obvious is subjective to the guy that's checking the bloody clip. <laughs> so, right. so that's that's a problem in itself. You know, for me, it's just a case of can you have a look at it for me, mate? Is it a penalty? Um, he looks at the replay. Oh, the guy's just swan dived over uh, Robertson. He hasn't touched him whatsoever. The guy has kicked Robertson after. Um, it's not a penalty, mate. Don't worry about it. You know, move on. But it seems to be they're so desperate to protect referees and their decisions and not kind of... It's like they try not to hurt their feelings or something, you know? But I just, I'm sure the referees really want to be corrected if they've made a mistake. That's the whole point. You know, they'd be like, oh, because to be fair to the referee, right, from his angle, he, he's been tricked by by the dive. It's hard to tell whether Robertson had touched him from the angle the referee was stood at. So I can totally get why he's given it, because he, he's not seen it correctly from the right angle, because you can't see the dive from that mm-hmm. angle. But we've got the technology to watch it again from any angle you want. They check it and go, yeah, nothing to see here. Yeah, your correct decision. It's not a clear and obvious error. I don't know what clear and obvious is then. And, you know, the same with the Matip one. It's like he, he's just dragged him down in midair and, and they haven't overturned it. So it, it the problem is not the technology. You know, people are saying VAR is shit. VAR is brilliant. It does everything you want it to do. It's the way they're implementing it that's the problem. And a lot of the time, it's purely down to how they're implementing this technology and how they're not allowing the guys checking the replays to actually have any authority to overturn decisions. So I think it's clearly something that they're going to look at. Um, they did a review, was it after the first four Premier League games? And there was at least four decisions that yeah. they cocked up. Um, yep. That they, yep. you know, so they're going to continue to review it, guys. It it was always going to be a problem initially. There were always going to be teething issues. We're just going to have to grin and bear it for now, you know. Even with these frustrating decisions that they're just not correcting, we're still going to get more correct decisions with it in place, even with the shit way that they're implement implementing it at the moment, than if it wasn't there at all. So. We're just going to have to kind of grin and bear it for now while they iron out the creases. But, you know, hopefully by maybe next season, it's something that will work a lot smoother. Yeah, I would hope so, too. Just continuing off of what Sam said, I completely agree. They're too busy stroking the egos of the referees instead of getting the decisions right. As soon as I saw the replay of that quote-unquote penalty, I said, that's not a penalty. VAR should overturn this. And then a couple seconds later, they award the penalty. And I, I was fuming. I, com- I couldn't understand. Like, I, was, I, said, I said to my friend, what's the point of VAR if they're not going to award the correct decision? Because personally, if they were doing it correctly, that wouldn't be a penalty. And who was it that dove? I think it was Callejon yeah. um, that jumped into Robertson. That's a 
red card for simulation. So Napoli would be down to 10 men. So, I mean, they need to stop protecting the referee's decisions, not worrying about hurting their feeling and actually calling the games correctly and calling the decisions correctly, because that's what it's there for. I, I get it. Like v, people get upset with VAR. Oh, it ruins the flow of the game. Uh, personally, for me, it hasn't really ruined anything when it goes to like a VAR decision. It's like, oh, okay, they're reviewing it. Whatever. If it's a goal, we celebrate. If it's a pen, we celebrate. If it's against us, we get pissed off, whatever. But they need to do a better job. And going with the ref in general, that ref sucked so bad every single decision there was one point in the game where Mane was like tossed to the floor multiple times multiple times we didn't get a free kick somehow Napoli got a free kick out of that there was a tug on Salah in the box that if he saw it that should have been a penalty and that would have been on Koulibaly but I don't know just the whole VAR situation and the way that the game was called you can tell there was like they weren't going to give Liverpool any decisions that game. It, it it's just very strange. It's just very strange. I mean, it's just in in general as well. You've got the Premier League doing their own version of VAR just to be different from every fucker else in Europe. And then, <laughs> and then you've got Europe, and you're seeing you're just seeing. I don't know. You're just seeing inconsistencies. Obviously, it's pretty much impossible to get perfect refereeing decisions. But VAR is meant to negate that somewhat like i think people are complaining about the gareth bale decision last night about his handball i mean by the letter of their of their laws it is handball and all that it's just it's just very very strange how a game that's obviously made up of so many rules and stuff like that i'm going to use the rugby example sam you obviously watch more rugby than i do um but laws in rugby are a lot less subjective like if you're getting sent off in rugby you've probably like punched someone <laughs> so it's probably a lot it's probably a lot more black and white in terms of football but in football it's like you always the, you always hear comment commentators and pundits talking about are oh, the refs letting this game breathe into life and stuff like that it's just two-footed someone. <laughs> i don't give a shit yeah. if it's the first two minutes send him <laughs> off it, it just it, it's just nonsense like that that i think separating football from other sports into I know I know other sports have shit refs as well but it just seems to be only football that I hate has the line. story bullshit sorry go on I hate the line that they all use that it's a foul anywhere on the pitch oh unless it's in the box if it's a foul it's a foul it doesn't matter where it is it, it just drives me crazy it's just fucking nonsense. <laughs> um, but anyway, there's, we, there's a lot of that that goes on, isn't yeah. there? There's there's yeah. there's con there's too much context being used. Like the uh, the kind of evening out is something that the, the people accuse oh. referees of doing sometimes. You know, when they've made a mistake and they'll kind of like give the other team a load of decisions. It's like stop doing things like that. Just 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 you're looking at two. Just blank people in front of you. Don't don't look at the context and just decide on whether that was a foul or not. But the other thing that annoys me as well about this this VAR decision is, for example, the penalty that was given against us for Napoli. They they kind of think that in any subjective decision, they're like, oh, the referee saw it and said it was a pen, so it's a pen. 
but so that you can't overturn that because that was his subjective decision at the time. But the problem with his subjective decision at the time is he saw it wrong. He, he was on the wrong angle to be able to see it correctly. So he didn't see it right. So mm. He thought he saw contact. That's the problem. He thought he saw contact, which is why he gave a penalty. If he saw that replay, he would have gone, oh, shit, he didn't actually touch him and would have overturned it. So that's exactly what the guy in the studio should have done. But the problem is they say, oh, he saw it and his subjective opinion was penalty. And there needs to be something major to happen for them. And the fact that there was no bloody contact. So I don't think they're ever going to overturn any decisions in the current incarnation of the rules. So it is clearly something that's going to have to change. And hopefully it's something they change pretty bloody sharpish. Yeah, I mean, the VAR ref spent all of three seconds going, oh, it's a penalty. Oh, okay. <laughs> Might as well watch one of the replays there, mate. <laughs> it's, just, it's just very strange. It's just very strange. Yeah, unless, unless VAR acts on its own as its own objective uh, refereeing entity overseeing the game, this shit's going to happen every fucking game. Oh, yeah. It's going to be ridiculous. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get fucked over by VAR like in the knockout stages for some sort of dodgy decision I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. I mean it's happened to see can I just say it, it, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it, it was amazing when it happened to City though to be fair it was, I was pissing myself laughing it was amazing but you know the thing is they didn't fuck him over they gave him the true. right decision true Yeah, it was the right nice. decision on that occasion they can complain all they want it was the right decision. And that's the key element of that. Uh, you know, that's how it should be implemented. We've been getting screwed over. They've got the benefit of hindsight, get to look at the replay and still get it wrong, which is bonkers. It just shows refs are shit regardless of what they're doing. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, dear. But let's move on from Varkos. I imagine this will come up in other podcasts. Cool <laughs> um, the Bali's good at football. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's immense. My gosh, I some of the challenges he's he's put. He was the best defender on that pitch. Like mm-hmm. I heard a lot of the commentators, well, over here in the United States, talking about Mario Rui, Mario Rui, Mario Rui is shit. He didn't really <laughs> do anything. He just played higher up the pitch. It was Koulibaly saving their asses with their blocks, catching up to Salah, doing like you know a little smart tactical. Th- I mean, Salah had him on toast a couple times, but um, he did well to recover. I mean, if we didn't have Van Dyke, I wouldn't mind him marshalling our back four because he's he's just been immense. If he's not in that side, we probably beat them like four or five minutes. Oh God, I yeah. I mean, the point is, people talk about well, Van Dyke is the best defender in the world now, and evidently is going off his last year and pretty much all this time with Liverpool and stuff like that. But not many people, like, I don't know if it's just because Serie A's a bit un, um, unfashionable or something like that, but Nobed's still going about, like, Sergio Ramos and Varane and, oh, and uh, another sh- a lot of shower of shite. But I, I, don't, I don't watch a lot of foreign football, but I don't think I've seen many other centre-backs put in that level of performance by Koulibaly. Like, I've... 
I've seen a couple Napoli games, but even just his games against Liverpool, he's looked like a fucking freak. <laughs> and I'm so glad Man United spunked all their money on someone shit like Maguire rather than him. <laughs> uh. he's, he's an absolute colossus, isn't he? It just, the, the two games we played against him last season, he was immense as well. And just, just to show you how cruel playing centre-back is, is something I'm... I'm still doing myself at a terrible level of uh, second team Carmarthenshire League third division football um, where basically Koulibaly had the better of Salah for 89 out of the 90 minutes at Anfield last season and just that one incredible move from Salah where he had him on toast and he put it, put the ball in the back of the net and he's won the game for Liverpool and Liverpool are through and it's just one tackle that he's failed in the whole game and won the other 20. And, uh, you know, Salah's had one up on him. So it's just a cruel thing sometimes being a centre-back where you can just do your absolute best all game and just one thing can happen and the other guy's won and he's running away celebrating. And, uh, you know, the, the, the defender gets blamed. I'm just really glad. Like, as I said, I'm just glad he's not in the Premier League because I don't know if it's just Napoli, as you said, Crystal Palace of, of Italy? Or is it just they're really good? <laughs> For, I mean, he was linked with Chelsea back in the Conte days. I don't know how they fucked that deal up, but they'll be regretting that one. United have been looking for a centre-back for how many years? Arsenal, like, I don't... I think he'd just laugh at Arsenal if they went for him. My one concern is, Man City don't have any fit centre-backs. And he's the I best... I was just he's, thinking that. Yeah, he is the best... January... Yes, that's where I'm going with it. <laughs> like, don't know. Uh, the only thing that's good is obviously Napoli went into the Europa League last year because we had a tougher group with them, and obviously PSG. It'll take a probably a minor miracle for one of Salzburg and Genk to put one of us out. That's probably the only promising thing I'm going to go off with it. But even like if it goes into the summer, Man City need a centre back, and he's yeah. obviously the best one who. Is at a second tier club, to put it politely, you'd probably say. That's the probably the worry with that one. He he's been there a lot longer than I expected him to be. You know, it's been a couple of seasons now where he's been linked away and he seems to be staying and that you know, they're building a really competitive side there. But um, you know, what holds you know, like twenty seven around Something that kind like of area. That, yeah, I think so. I'm not sure, but um you know, you'd think there's going to be a big move for him coming up in the near future. You know, just one one big move, you know, uh, let's have a look. Uh, yeah, he's 28. So, you know, he's, he's bound to have a big move coming up. You know, that's, that's where he can really make the cash now. I just pray to God it's not a case of like Man United get into the Champions League and then he signs for them. Let's just, let's not have that. Oof. Let's just enjoy it. Oh, How terrible no. they are for a little bit longer, <laughs> should we? <laughs> Unless sixth place gets to the Champions League, we'll be fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> they might win the Europa League. <laughs> they beat the, they beat the mightiest starter today. Oh dear, but yeah, that that's probably the word for me uh, in in terms of cooler barley. Um, the rest of the game, there, I mean. <sighs> What what did you what did you make of our defending, um, Chris? Because I, I said on, on another pod against Newcastle, it was Robbo's best game of the season. I don't think he's had the best start to the season. 
but I thought Newcastle was a um a good step in the right direction. Um obviously against Napoli we mentioned he, he was he definitely looked unfit because Robbo's normally like a Duracell bunny, he'll run up and down all day. And he didn't really look like that against Napoli. Is it a concern? Not of concern, but is it... Well, I'm going to use concern for a want of a better word, but is it a concern with Robbo not being his usual 8 out of 10 best, considering we don't have anyone else in that position? Um, Not really a concern. I think he was just tired. Because we played, I think it was on the Saturday, two days later, you're going, you have to fly to Napoli. I think he was just... He just needed a rest. Um, I think he'll come good this weekend against Chelsea. And the fact that he um, was nursing a knock as well, and uh, he didn't train with the team, and to be tossed into the starting 11, I get it. He's a professional. He should be able to do his job. But I think that was a bit much of an ask for him, especially since he didn't get to train. He was nursing some sort of injury. But um, I think that was just a one-off game. We know what Robbo can do. He flies mm-hmm. up and down the pitch. He, um, he'll he'll be his normal self. Um, Trent was immense defensively, though. He really that was, wasn't surprised he? Me. Yeah, not so much uh, going forward. Some of his crosses just found Napoli players. Then again, they're pretty big too. Um, but yeah, he was really immense. Good tracking back. Um, I. There were some times where he was like isolated, but um, he did well in those instances too. But I think defensively we were fine. I think uh, we kind of mentally shattered after we gave up the non-penalty. Mm. Um, and I think that that's what gave it. I, I think it was like, okay, we worked our asses off for 80 plus minutes to get screwed over by this crappy call and maybe a little bit of a, a lack of concentration because as soon as that um, uh, Napoli scored a penalty, the camera pans the Klopp on the sideline and he's like jeering him up. He's like telling him to just to keep going, keep going. And I, I guess that's just the nature of the game. Like, you know, you play so hard for so long and then, you know, you can't, we're, they're all human. I know we had the best defensive record in the Premier League last season, but um you know, you're going to concede goals. And I know I called the Crystal Palace of Europe at uh, the beginning of the pod, but they're not a bad team. So, you know, credit to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, it's two seasons in a row. Napoli have probably given us that. Well, not very early this season, but tough. one of the toughest games of the season. Um. Oh, one more thing. Yep. Adrian. Channeling I was going to bring him up. Inner Allison Becker. <laughs> oh my gosh, that 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 double save he pulls off. He, he just he kept us in that game too. I know Fabinho was immense. Trent was immense defensively. Uh, Van Dyke was good up until the error. But I mean, without him and goal, I mean, if could you imagine if Mignolet was playing, they would have gotten three hey, he kept by the a, first half. He kept a clean sheet against Gallup. Fenna won a turkey team the other day. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go with Galatasaray. I don't know if yeah. that was true. Uh, but yeah. Might have been. Yeah, I don't know. You, you get what I, <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, I know. Mean, we could have had a carious fiasco like we had today. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. I, 
I like Karius as well. You just got a feel for him at this stage. Um, Sam, yeah. what, what, Sam, what do you make of um, of Adrian? Because that that's, I, I, I imagine you know which save I mean. Is like one of the best saves I've ever bloody seen. Yeah, it was it was insane, wasn't it? My, I was watching the game, my brother, and I've never heard him just be so loud in my life, except for when we've scored. Maybe uh, it was unbelievable, wasn't it? It was a cracking finish for Mertens as well because he had to stretch and kind of hook it round the corner to get it in because the cross was inch perfect for it to be able to go over Van Dyke's head from that area. It was just a perfect cross, perfect finish, and. Fair play to Adrian. He just he just played percentage goalkeeping basically, didn't he? He did the old make myself as big as I possibly can. Did you notice how early he died? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he died before he even kicked it. He just he just went. I'm just throwing everything at this, and what a save! You know, obviously there's always an element of luck to a point blank save, but it, it was a fantastic save, and it's it's. I'm so happy for him. It, it was a shame that we didn't leave there with, say, a nil-nil because it would have given him that reward for a really good performance. And it's 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 kind of, it shows there's been a gradual improvement with Adrian game on game as he's been going. You know, he has made some high-profile errors. You know, we're aware of that. But to be fair to the guy, he just kind of got dropped in out of nowhere with hardly any training and hardly any, you know, time with the squad to learn how we play and he's had that little bit of time over the international break and it's it's clear to see that the players are now passing it back to him more than they were just after he made that error away to Southampton straight after that we stopped passing the ball back to him for him to actually try to distribute the ball like we do with Alisson and he's had that two week break, he's had a bit of time to learn how we play and there's been a real big improvement in that um, since that time. So, you know, it, it's it's great to see he's performing so well at the moment, Touchwood. Obviously, with goalies, things can go wrong very, very, very quickly. But, you know, until Alisson comes back in, it, it's it's night and day having him there instead of Mignolet. It's, it's someone that can actually play our style distribution. He, do you notice he's throwing it out quite a lot, actually? Mm. Um Against Napoli, but he, you know, he was doing it quite well. No one can compete with Allison when it comes to distribution. You know, kicking the ball from hand is it, basically pinpoint with Allison, and it's not something that Adrian can do to that level, obviously. But it's it's not affecting our play as much as it would have if we had a, a you know a goalkeeper like Mignolet who just can't pass the ball whatsoever. So it, it's been a a nice surprise to see. But don't get me wrong, I'm still absolutely desperate to get Alisson back in this team. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but before we finish up, we do have... You guys noticed he oh. got a, a... Sorry, guy. Oh, no, I, no. I was going to say, you noticed he got a hand on the penalty kick as well. He almost saved mm, it. Yeah. Touched to it. Should have saved it. Just went under his hand. So. <laughs> Should have saved it, but he didn't. But he still, he still guessed the right way. So I mean, like he's he's done a great job deputizing for uh, Allison, and hopefully yeah. by the end of the next international break, we get our number one back. Yeah, hopefully, because yeah. we I think we have like United, and yeah, we don't need it's just a story against United, isn't it? Um, 
but before we finish up, we do have a game at the uh, weekend, obviously against um, Chelsea, which it's not the rivalry it used to be. But um, Chris, what what what's your thoughts on Chelsea, and if you've seen anything of this season so far? Um, in the few little games I've watched of theirs, they look. Frank, Frank Lampard has them energetic. They're running. You know, they're putting their work in for him. Um, Tammy Abraham looks pretty good. If You know, it pains me to say this, but uh, he looks a decent player. I think Mason Mount just got injured um, for them in their Champions League mm-hmm. fixture. So um, I wonder who's going to come in for him, probably William or Pedro. But um, I wouldn't... Uh, go into cocky against Chelsea because, you know, just because it's Chelsea, they always seem to play that much harder when they play against us. But um, I think uh, if we keep it compact, we keep it tight, we play our game, we don't try to rush it, and, you know, we just wear them down, I, I think we could sneak away with a 2-1 or a 3-1. Uh, I think we'll get a goal, like, maybe right before the half or like late into the second half, and then we'll just tear them apart towards the end, like we did at Anfield uh, this past April. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Sam, your thoughts on the Chelsea game? Yeah, Chelsea have been a really strange side this season so far. Um, They've either been dreadful or they've really impressed me. And I think that's something they were always going to have with some very young players playing in the side at the moment. Um, I didn't realise the talent that Mason Mount is actually. He has quite impressed me so far. So it will be handy for us if he's not able to play on the weekend. Uh, Tammy Abraham as well. I saw him quite a lot when he was uh, uh, on loan with Swansea. Um, Andy Villa last season. And, you know, you got to remember, he was very, very young when he was on these loan spells. So Because uh, he wasn't really that prolific when he was there. But... Uh, he seems to have developed a lot as well. So, you know, Chelsea have definitely got, they can be very dangerous, you know, as we saw in the Super Cup, um, where they, they did outplay us in uh, quite a lot of periods of the game. But I think that was, you know, a lot of that was to do with us being a bit uh, fresh at the start of the season. We hadn't quite got into rhythm yet. Um, I'm still expecting us to go there. You know, we're obviously still favourites going to that game. Um, it's not an ideal preparation with a defeat away to Napoli, but Chelsea just lost at home, didn't they, <laughs> in their mm. Champions League game? So, um, you know, it, it's something I, I'm, I'm slightly nervous about the game because we always have a tough game against Chelsea. But, you know, without Eden Hazard at the club anymore, I think we should be going into the game with nothing but confidence and, you know, try our best to try and get this win. Because if we get this win, the next Premier League game we have, we play first. Um, we, we got Sheffield United then the following week at 12.30 on the Saturday. And if we can win the Chelsea game and the, and the Sheffield United game, we can put a hell of a lot of pressure on Man City then because we'd have played before them again. So we'd be at the very least eight points ahead of them before they've even played their game next weekend. And I know it's very early in the season. But I just think pressure is something that can build on a team and it can break spirits very early. And that's something that we've 
you know, encountered a lot as a team ourselves where we've kind of cracked under the pressure maybe. So I just want us to pile as much pressure as we can on Man City, get as much of a lead as we can and just see whether they can drop some more points and give us that chance to try and get the title this season. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. It's a very good point. And obviously last year, Hazard was a twat. (laughs) Uh, And we did have some tough games against uh, Chelsea, but if it'd be so so good for us to take advantage of this brilliant start we've had in Man City failing a bit. Um well, especially against Norwich, a draw against Tottenham is nothing to cry over, but the Norwich game was, was something different. Uh, but yeah, I think you've put it perfectly there, Sam. Um but we will finish up there. So thank you both for joining me and thank you everyone for listening at home. Goodbye. Podcast Network.